0: Hi, I'm Deborah Rosati, founder and CEO of Women Get On Board, and this is Women Get On Board in Conversation. Our goal with these video series is to offer women business leaders advice for their board journeys through thought-provoking conversations with experts in the boardroom. It's our pleasure to offer insights that will empower you with confidence and courage to lead and serve on corporate boards. Today, I am pleased to be speaking to Sabelle Negres, President, CEO, and Co-Founder of WebNames, and a very accomplished board member, to discuss her board journey to her first public company board. Sabelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Deborah. Thank you. So we're going to start off with, just tell us a little bit about yourself and
1: how you got started on your board journey. Sure, I'm happy to. So, um, you know, as, as you said, my name is Cabel Negres, and um, I'm co-founder and CEO and director of Webnames.ca. We are Canada's original .ca registrar. So my um, business partner, John Demko, actually founded the .ca domain name in 1987. And I met him um, a number of years later, around 1999, when um, he was essentially um, overwhelmed by the the number of domains that he had um, under management. And I was doing some contract work at the University of British Columbia in the industry liaison office. And I met him there and was Fascinated by the story and um, the, the volunteer work that he was doing for the last 13 years, so. Um, I ended up working with him and our tech transfer manager at the university to package up the technology and eventually sold it to the Canadian Internet Registration Authority. So that was many years ago. That was in 2000 when that happened. And um, WebNames.ca was born and uh, we became one of the accredited registrars under CIRA. And um, so I was a board member from from the day one, and it was a few of us business partners as well as UBC. And um, we eventually, as the company grew, started to bring on um, external board members to um, which whom we paid and brought on another level of accountability for the organization. So I kind of learned my board governance and, and some of those skills from that first experience, but then um, I took it to external organizations. And I think because I'm a woman in technology, um, a lot of these opportunities started coming as organizations realized that technology was a really important part of um, the growth in um, companies in the 2000s. So um, I started being asked on not-for-profit boards like Wired Women, um, Small Business BC, Forum for Women Entrepreneurs, and then eventually started to serve on boards um, for government. Um, I was on the Small Business Roundtable as vice chair to um, our Minister of Jobs, um, Economic Development and Innovation. Um, I served on the Premier's Technology Council, and then eventually to some university boards as well, um, and then on to more for-profit boards after that. So that was kind of my journey in terms of my experience, and um, coupled with that, a lot a lot of education along the way.
0: So where are our intersection. I'm smiling, because <laughs> as you said, as Sarah became more formal and grew up a little bit, and wanted outside board members, that's where I came in, in right. 2005. And I think yes. that's where we intersected. And it's funny that you say it, because I, I was a woman in tech, and I was getting a lot of opportunities in the early 2000. Oh, we need a woman on a board, or you've got technology and, it, and it's evolved. So really, really nice to see your journey and nice to uh, have an intersection with our experience at CIRA. So thank you for sharing that. So when you come to board, how do you show up as a board member and take on leadership roles, because I think that's really important how you show up and how you evolve, because you certainly have had a, you know, very accomplished board journey, but it's a lot of the work that you do showing up. So maybe tell us a little
1: bit about that. Yes, absolutely. So um, I would say that I take every opportunity for education. So some of these boards um, will provide education. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But in terms of showing up, um, when I first um, joined a board, I'm very conscious of the learning curve for, um, especially as you move up in your board career, um, organizations get more um, complex, they're larger organizations, many of them are highly regulated. um, And especially when you get to a public board level. So Um, I'm very careful when I um, join a board, Um, I read all the materials and as much material as some boards have, um, I would say like several hundred pages to sometimes over a thousand pages of board materials with the committee stuff. Um, So I I read all of it. Um, I make notes in advance to include um, any questions that I want um, in terms of clarification on items that I I might not necessarily understand where um, the materials are going or um, something that I want to bring up for further discussion as a board together. Um, The other thing that I do is when I first join a board, um, I attend every committee meeting. So even if I'm not appointed to those committees, um, I ask the committee chairs um, for permission to sit in and observe on those committees. And by doing that, I find I have basically accelerated my learning by at least a year when I first joined a board. Because what it does is it helps you really understand all of those discussions that happen prior to those decisions being brought to the board for for um you know in those resolutions to be approved but you hear all of the the um the nuances of like what took place the conversations that took place to lead to those decisions so i find that really helpful and then um typically i would say that when i join a board um usually within a year or two um i am appointed to a committee chair role so then taking those leadership roles um, is yet another level. It's like at least twice as much work. Um, you need to be very well prepared. I ensure that I have like my speaking notes and everything well prepared in advance. Um, I make sure to listen first when I have committee members that some might be know, more apt to jump in and others are very quiet and always want to make sure that you're including everybody in the conversations, um, that we are asking the tough questions and then driving that consensus in the conversation.
0: So those are really good tips about chairing committees, chairing a board, and there's the term they say, wait, and, and that really replies like, why am I talking whether you're a committee member or a chair of a board and I think you know having that courage and confidence but listening I think is a really important skill and the preparation of going into meetings and I really like I always encourage anyone especially if I'm chairing an audit committee to say you know what I think you should be attending as an observer even if you're not um, on that particular committee because like you say you get that insights of the deliberations and the thought process um, that uh, it, that takes place before it comes to the board for approval. So Absolutely. anyway, um, kudos on that. So maybe with that background, and this is when you and I really had the conversation, we've been having conversation over the years. Um, so how did you land your first public company board? Because that was last year, right? So maybe... Right. how. How you how it came to you? What it is? Are there differences being on public versus your for profit or not for profit?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, this this was a long time coming, like twenty years of serving on on boards, right? Um, before I landed my first uh, public board, and um, I think. You know in, in terms of the the learnings um I've been gearing up to to get to this point so um in terms of process the a recruiter came to me and actually um approached me and um told me that they felt I had the right qualifications so they were looking for somebody with technology experience somebody who was an entrepreneur but also had the financial acumen so like for me having served on um FI boards, financial institution boards like um, Blue Shore Financial, which is a credit union and the Royal Canadian Mint um, that brought a level of credibility, I feel to um, supplement my technology experience. So the board um, is AGF and um, AGF, um, they're in Toronto um, organization that's been around for 65 years, um, lots of great history and um, a public organization. And um, you know, the the um you know when I first met with the recruiter, Um, I wanted to understand what exactly that they were looking for to make sure that I was a fit. Um, so having met with the recruiter, feeling very comfortable around, um, understanding the organization a little bit more and the values that they, um, that were important to them, um, I felt that there was a good fit. Uh, we went ahead then, uh, for me to virtually meet with, um, the executive chair and, um, the some of the another board member, um, as well as the CEO, and um, we had some really great conversations, and um, I got to understand them. I think they got to understand me as well in terms of whether this was a personality fit and the skills fit. And then I was asked to go in person, um, so I flew to Toronto and I met with every single board member, um, some individually one-on-ones and then other in small groups. And um, just trying to, um, I think for them, bringing on somebody um, new um, that didn't come from a financial background um, and something that was very different for them, right? Everybody else on the board had deep financial background experience. And um, so I think they they felt comfortable with bringing me on board that I was going to bring um, kind of another and a different voice around technology, um, digital transformation, cybersecurity, all of those types of skills and um, I think my um, diverse background in terms of like as an entrepreneur as well, and my geographical diversity coming from BC. So that all added to it. So um, it's been a really great experience so far. Um, I would say that public boards are highly organized. Um, We have a a lot of systems and processes that have been in place for many, many years. Um, Of course, the public disclosures and so forth you know, we need to be very careful about um, you know how we handle things. Um, you know, buying shares, selling shares, all of those um, really important um, you know requirements that um, we need to to um, ensure is part of that process. So, um, I would say that um, it's it's no harder to serve on a public board, because typically when you get to that level, you have um, all the experts that are in place um, to around the governance piece. Um, but it's definitely something that you want to be very careful of um, around your your own um, you know, conversations and dealings and so forth that, you know, there's no conflict and, and so forth. So um, I've really enjoyed it so, so far. Um, still a huge learning curve and I'm constantly learning, but uh, really enjoyed that experience so far.
0: And did they, when you were going through the process, did they ask what committee you wanted to be on? Or did they just say, hey, based on your background, we'd we'd like you to fill did you what how did that conversation go? Um uh,
1: Yeah, we there there are three committees. So um there's the audit committee, uh, there's an HR and compensation committee, and the nominations and corporate governance committee. So um I, I basically told them that I would be open to serving on any of those committees. Um, you know, even though I don't have a financial background, I, on almost all my other boards, I serve on um, either a risk or an audit committee. So um, that I I do bring that experience but um, felt that maybe in my first year, it would be um, good to serve on the other two committees and then potentially um, at at audit in a a future date. Um, But, I sit in on the com- audit committees anyways and um, ensure that I'm, I'm learning and, and understanding like that process for a public company for, as an audit committee member. So even though I'm not serving there, I'm, I'm listening in and um, observer and still able to ask questions.
0: That's great. That's kind of what I would have thought you and I hadn't talked about it, but I thought sharing that because that comes up when people say, you know, in interviews, well, there might be you can either lead with, you know, I'm really interested in this committee, or they may ask you and and I think being prepared for where you can add value and what might be best in in your first or first or second, you know, second year. So maybe we'll move to, um, so congratulations once again on landing that wow. public company board. And I know for a lot of women, that transition from going from not-for-profit, from being an executive, from being an entrepreneur, to serving on private company boards, to getting their first public company board is really a a, a pivotal um, moment, a pivotal stage in their board career. So I do, I, that's why I wanted to acknowledge you and also share your experiences. So if you were able to impart to our listeners today, what would be the top three tips you would say to women leaders thinking about embarking on their own board journey? I know we touched a little bit, but what would be the three top tips that you would say to someone if they're thinking they had called you up and said, I'm thinking about, you know, starting on my board journey? What what yeah. would be those three top tips?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say um, number one is you have to put in the foundational work. So um, often I actually get um, people who come and say, hey, I want to serve on a paid board. And um, so my, my, my advice is typically, it's not that it's impossible, but um, you typically would start with it, like a smaller not-for-profit and then eventually into like govern- government or university boards and to get kind of your, like learn your chops right around um, the governance table. Um, And then you would eventually get into a higher profile board. And sometimes the higher profile boards don't necessarily pay a lot either. So um, you need to um, kind of think about, you know, rather than jumping into a paid board, think about alignment with your values. Like why is it, that I want to serve on this board. It can't just be about the money. It needs to be that um, you feel a passion for the organization or what they're doing and things that they're accomplishing or something within that challenge that you feel um, aligned to. So I think that's really the first piece. And then like any career, you would need to work your way up. And um, you know, having said all that, I, I don't want to deter any woman, especially from saying, don't go and put your name out there because so many women and myself as well um, may not feel ready for that next step. And um, I think it's important to put yourself out there and um, because there are a lot of opportunities right now and there's no harm in put your putting your name out. So I would say that's number one, um, the foundational work. The other piece I would say is the c- continuous learning piece. Um, being a great board member means being curious all the time. And as part of that curiosity, you have to be constantly learning. So um, there are lots of great courses out there right now on some of the hot topics of the day. Um, I got my ICD um, designation at the Institute for Corporate Directors. And um, while it was a lot of work, I felt that it was well worth the time and the energy um, to, to do that. And um, there are so many courses now around um, ESG, environmental social governance, DEI, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, climate change, um, cybersecurity, th- digital transformation. Those are some of the hot topics of, of this time. And it's important, I think, for um, directors to continue learning about those topics and what other boards are talking about and um, how boards are dealing with these topics and you know what to measure and the metrics and all of that. Um, I've for sure also recommended the Women Get On Board um, Financial Intelligence Programme. So um, financial uh, acumen is really important for any board, right? Because you're, um, every board has an audit committee. Every board needs to approve financials. And um, for a lot of people, that's not their background. And there's sometimes some nervousness as to, you know, do do I really understand what I'm reading here in in order to approve these? So um, I've, I've, Gotten really great feedback from people who have taken that program, Deborah. So, kudos to you for, for offering that because I think that's a huge need. Um, and then finally, I would say the last piece is to build your reputation um, as a board member um, that others want to work with. So, um, you know, besides showing up and being prepared and taking on those leadership opportunities. Um, just being those people on the board that drive the strategic conversation, to always pull back from like trying to, like sometimes like directors tend to get into the weeds and and dive in a little bit too much and um, being that individual who can kind of pull everybody back out. And, um, you know, while driving consensus, sometimes also having that courage to play devil's advocate and challenge that status quo and you know it's not always the right time to do that you need to really get that comfort of knowing when to speak up when to pull back a little um and you know pulling the the group out of the group think so like to me like respectful debate is kind of that um environment that you want to have a little bit of tension, and then drive to consensus at the end. So um, once you do that enough, I think your reputation as a board member starts to elevate, and then other board members that you work with end up, um, you know, saying, hey, uh, this person that I work with, um, you know, they're really effective at the board table, um, you know, and then people will start recommending you.
0: Um, So three great top tips. One thing uh, as part of continuous learning, what I would say is not only the learning that you can as an individual board member, but what you can collectively learn as a board. So we know that, you know, with Hallibank Jurgensen's Confident Boards program, which I've done, um, and the climate change, continuous learning, um, she has a book called Stewards of the Future. And it's about that being, you know, modern governance more, shall we say. And if there's areas within you know, the board needs to learn and maybe there is a piece on cybersecurity, you bring experts in, maybe there's a piece around DEI, but as a board, collectively, there's individual learning, but there's collective learning and, and so I would, uh, that would be w- my one additional piece, especially if you're chair of a, non- or if you're on the nominee and corporate governance committee, that's one of your mandates is for making sure the board has
1: continuous education. So just a, a little from my perspective, but. Uh, yeah, on- that's such a good point, Deborah, because um, on, on most of my boards now, like as part of the governance um, committee, um, we're, we're looking at um, that joint um, learning within the entire board, because um, like individual learning is important, but um, you know, having that opportunity that even if an individual goes and takes a course to be able to bring that back to the group to say this is what i've learned and then others might um, want to take that course or then there's an opportunity to then further that conversation within the board table and and bring those experts in um, that you can learn and and discuss how it's relevant to your own board um, together um, that that's really important so that's a really great point deborah
0: well, thank you. Um, I'm just mindful of time, so maybe what I'll just say to you, uh, Savell, so much learning. You are on an amazing journey. I'm not sure what's what's next for you. Have you have you got your next? I, I didn't ask
1: that question in advance, but I'm asking you. What's your next? Well, um, I think at this moment, um, I'm on quite a few boards. So I'm not looking for another opportunity out there. But um, over time, as I step off of some of my current boards, um, probably another um, public board would be um, hopefully in my future. So that's what I would be looking for.
0: Thank you. Um, And then if anyone wanted to follow up with you or find out um, more about you, what's the best way for them to contact you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually have um, a board profile website that I've set up. It's sabelenegris.ca. So it features um, some of the boards that I'm on, as well as contact information that um, folks can can reach out to me. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So I'm quite, quite busy there. So feel free anyone to reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, either directly to me or through my company webnames.ca.
0: And thank you, Sabel. Uh, that's it for the edition of Women Get On Board in Conversation. Uh, Sabel, thank you so much for joining us, sharing your insights. And I want to say thank you for being an amazing ambassador for Women Get On Board over the years. I am just very grateful. And to find more resources for your board journey or join our Women Get On Board community, we are now more than 850 members strong. Visit womengetonboard.ca.